Hello, friends. Thanks for choosing to fly with the Writing Dad podcast. There, whatever. That was weird. I apologize. Wherever you are, thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Alex Jenkins. I'm not going to justify myself missing some time. You get it. We all do. I've explained it a thousand times at this point. This isn't a consistent thing for me. It's just helping me keep my creative juices flowing. Can we all agree that's kind of a gross term? I didn't want to use it, but the only reason I did use it is so that we can all come to terms that it's not something that we should keep using. I'm okay with that. Let's figure out something else to use there. As long as I'm writing, that's a good thing, and hopefully you enjoy it too. I heard from a few people who aren't in my direct circle of friends that they actually started listening to this and they've been having a good time, which is great. Thank you to all the new listeners. It's a long road, but stick with me and we will finish the assassin story at hand. Speaking of which, it's been a while, so let's catch up on everything. So going down the list here. First, we're introduced to Dante, who's an old, retired assassin who was driven into this life by the loss of his mother. It's a you know, kind of a revenge idea. He writes in his journal, letting those who read it know about the continual inner struggle to take lives, even though he believes what he's doing is right. So then we shift into meeting our modern day character, May, the cop who is a heavily jaded individual from her years in the service. Women don't have it easy. Am I right, ladies? But as she begins to investigate the murder of a man who wasn't well-liked, she finally feels the pulse of her job pushing her, making her feel alive again. So the story bounces between these two characters for now. One journal entry, one modern day, with more twists than a Disney churro. I love churros, for the record. So does anybody know where I can get a good churro? Let me know. It's been way too long. I used to go to Costco, but they got rid of it. They got rid of everything good. And I never... Look, I know that their sole purpose isn't to bring me joy by their food court but man that churro was dang good i'm hungry sorry tangent so that's where we're at with the story we got these characters more will be introduced i'm excited i've got the next couple chapters outlined mostly written out and i think it's time we move on to the next one so let's dive in get ready things are heating up though not as bad as the ridiculous temperatures that are outside right now i ate summer it's way too hot anyway Please enjoy this next installment of the Assassin Chronicles. I sit here writing, envisioning your face, wondering what the future holds for you. You have the world to explore, your entire future still to be written. Your teachers speak highly of you, and your classmates, though they don't know it, gravitate to you because their souls understand your natural leadership. I am proud. Your beautiful life is already full of success and triumph. I only wish you might be as proud of me as I am of you. You shouldn't forget what I've done, but I want the path you choose to be devoid of my choices and my history. Do not let me influence you. My menacing cycles of death and loss, did I make this world a better place? I can't say. I will find that answer in the next life. But on the surface, it appears my role in this life did help thousands live lives free from sorrow and pain. Early on in my life, I struggled to convince myself what I was doing was right. The justification never seemed to take hold, and it ate at me in the back of my mind, especially when I found my mother's killer. Yes, I found him. I took his life, yet with hesitation. Why did I hesitate? I wasn't sure if I could take a life. 
I wanted to know why. Why did he do what he did? Did he even understand? Did he see the trail of blood and tears he left behind? I found him living a life full of luxuries in the mountains of a small European country. He had retired early, now wealthy beyond anything I could have imagined. He worked for the right people in his life, and this payout was monumental. His servants roamed the grounds, fulfilling his every women fancy, and they loathed him, which made it easy for me to steal into the grounds and wait for him in his sitting room. As he entered the room, I waited a second, watching him. He was smaller than I thought he would be. The years had made him heavy, too. Grayish black hair, white skin, European descent, and his suit was worth more than all that I owned. When I stepped from the shadows, he showed no shock or confusion, didn't ask why I was there. He simply poured himself a drink and sat down behind the desk. I was curious to know about his lack of surprise. He told me he had lived a life every day of his retirement, waiting for someone to come into his home and take his life. He had made a multitude of enemies over the course of his career, and it was simply a matter of time before the Reaper came calling. I must admit, I was disappointed in his lack of showmanship and his overall calmness. I wanted a fight. I had trained years for this moment. All I worked for was the chance to overcome an opponent in a fair fight and force his soul to move on to the judgment halls. I wasn't receiving my dues and it drove me into a rage. I yelled at him, holding my sword to his chest, demanding that he stand up and fight, yet he wouldn't, he didn't. I withdrew in my anger and stomped around the room. If he had had a gun, he could have easily taken my life and ended my road to salvation. Yet, his hand stayed, and he waited out my tantrum. Since I demanded answers, the man obliged and told me he remembers that night in the small village, although he did not recall the moment he fired the arrow, taking the life of my mother. He killed a lot of people on that fateful night, throughout his entire life, in fact. He forgot the faces of those he killed long ago. He cared nothing for those souls, no remorse or regret, pure hatred and selfishness. He was a careless, reckless man, perfect to carry out the orders of those who were more corrupt and evil than he. He told me he was simply a pawn. He played the system and won big. His life was easy now. He said the last eight years he had accomplished everything he set out to because money was no object. His life was full because he did what needed to be done. This caused me to reflect on the task at hand, on my path. My father and I had lived a simple life. Some might call it poor, because we were trying to do the right thing. We never had any excess in life, and I often found myself wanting what other kids had. And yet, I look back at those moments with him and our family and friends. They were unique. They were special. I held them close to my heart. I recalled the hatred this man's servants had for him. As I followed the trail to find my mother's killer, it was filled with people who wanted him to die as much as I did. He was comfortable, but he left no legacy, no kids. People would remember his story, but not his name. His name. I realized I didn't know this man's true name. He was known throughout the world as the Bishop, a misnomer. He said his name was Pietro. That was all. One man, one name. Yet there were so many like him in the world. Men who were willing to sacrifice anybody and anything to improve their own lives. I couldn't second-guess my road any longer. Pietro was done talking. He was looking out his window now, drink in hand. He circled his drink, and I watched him. There was a man who was accepting his fate, awaiting his judgment. I sheathed my sword and walked up to the man who had given my life a purpose. He didn't know that, 
and I wouldn't give him the satisfaction of understanding. I drew my knife, given to me by one of the men with whom I've trained, and in one quick motion, I cut Pietro's throat. He stood for a moment, holding his drink as blood spilled into it, filling the small glass before he dropped it. The glass shattered as he fell to his knees, then sunk to the floor. I walked out and let one of the servants know what to expect when she opened the door to clean his office. So I forged my own path on that day, and for a few moments I maintained some disbelief in my cause, but I walked out of that day knowing my role in this life. I killed people, and some, their family and friends, gave up, never the same again. Yet there were many who, after taking the time to grieve, were made whole. They were stronger, motivated. It was as if their soul was washed clean, awakened to a sense of clarity. Some might look upon my legacy and criticize what I've done. They'll say, no one deserves to die simply because they are a bad person. I feel differently. I accomplished what needed to be done, righted the wrongs nobody else could. I took life into my hands because if I didn't, hundreds of thousands would suffer. There is no gray area here. I know that the atrocities committed in this life will be answered in the next, but I cared about humanity. I wanted people to live and love and truly be free. But ultimately, it was that compassion for human life that forced me into hiding. Why? Because that compassion would turn out to be my biggest undoing. Because of you. No, there is no regret or sorrow here. You changed me. You changed my life for the better. You filled the gap in my soul that was missing my whole life. At one point I swore to myself, I can never fall in love, never marry, never have a family. I did all those things and while you are safe, I could never truly escape those who now had a hold on my life. I'm sure there's some confusion in your mind as you read this. I want you to love me as I love you, but you might not come to terms to see what I did in a positive light. Unfortunately, I will never know how you feel about me, at least not in this life. As my father trained me, he would make me angry on purpose. He believed anger would fuel my cause. Yet I learned later in life it was love that ultimately fueled my cause. Love was what was missing all along. I realized it was the love I had for my mother that started me down this treacherous road, and love kept me strong. The candle dies, yet my love for you, my child, never will. You must know that. As you read these words, I pray you seek understanding for the life I've lived, and then do what you can to make this world a better place. There you have it, friends. That is the latest chapter of my ongoing assassin story that I am giving to you as I write it. Probably not the smartest thing to do, but I got to do what I got to do. And I was kind of motivated to do this specific look from the assassin's perspective because I try to write in my own journal, I don't know, once a week, a few times a month, but it's written to my children, you know, to kind of get them an idea of what I was feeling or thinking at the time. Sometimes it's an apology letter like, Hey, you were being a jerk and I wanted to slap your face, but I didn't. So I just locked you in your room for about 10 minutes. Don't judge me. My kids are happy. We're all happy, but that was kind of what I was thinking when I wrote this is it would be cool to, you know, you want your kids to know that you love them. And I think no matter what we do in this life, that is good or bad. I would like to believe that parents still will always love their kids, even if it's hidden deep down. And so we want them to know that. 
And sometimes it can be hard as they get older to help them understand that we do still love them, regardless of their choices or sports team they decide to cheer for that is not online with their destiny that you've chosen for them, right? So there you have it. That's all for me for this episode. I do appreciate you. I love you. I hope you're enjoying life and laughing and being moved to emotion once every day, as Jimmy V said. I'm Alex Shinkins, and this is the Writing Dad Podcast. 